So if you've got a Bible, if you want to turn to Romans chapter 15 and verse 13, and if you're allowed to have verses that you feel are favourite ones or being really seriously impacting, I would say these, these particular verses have really seriously impacted me and, uh, and transformed me. And Paul, writing to the church in Rome, says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. In other translations it says, Now may the God of hope. And I love these verses because there's a promise here that we're going to unpack, that God this morning can fill you with hope, joy and peace in believing. And it can happen today that you can leave this place transformed in any area where you're feeling hopelessness, where you're feeling that this is impossible, where you're feeling that nothing can change here and there's almost despair. It can happen for you today, now may God of hope. It can happen in this moment, it can happen in this room, it can happen right now, today, in your heart. You can be filled with joy, hope and peace in believing. And it's every believer can have this. It's not just some personality types, it's every believer can have this. Now, I've told you before that if I ever did an online personality test, I come out on those tests, I think it's around 96, 97% what would be called melancholic. That's what I come out, it doesn't matter what the test is, I always come out melancholic. Um, Another way of saying melancholic is it's a person with a tendency to have a down-in-the-mouth attitude, the glass is always half full rather than full, or it's a kind of dullness, or it can, I guess, lead to despair. Whatever the personality test is, I come out as that. So when I read verses like this, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, I'm thinking this is good news for me. (laughs) This is good news for me, because it's saying, look, you may come out on every personality test as a melancholic, down in the mouth, that glass is always half full, you're a bit of a doom-monger. But actually, the God of all hope can so fill you with hope as you trust in him that you can overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is good news. It's not saying there are some people, some personalities, they're hopeful, and there are some personalities who are doom, melancholic, down in the mouth, glass half empty, and you're either one or the other, or you're, you're somewhere along the line in the spectrum, but you can't change. It's saying, actually, you can have such an encounter with the God of all hope in the moment of trust and believing that you can overflow with hope in, in, as you trust in him, that you can be an overflower of hope. So it's not an emotion that's worked up. It's not an emotion that's worked up. It's not a grit your teeth. Because I, I, I did that for a long time, believe that, yeah, you could overcome melancho- being melancholic just by trying a bit harder. I mean, no, you can try for a certain amount of time at these things, but until something changes in your heart, in your thinking, then you resort back to what you've always thought and what you've always felt. 
So these verses are saying that if you want to, and I guess if we did a survey of everybody here, if you want to leave joylessness or restlessness or hopelessness behind this morning, if, if as it were you could take restlessness out of your heart or joylessness or peacelessness or hopelessness and you could take it out of your heart and we could put a basket around here this morning and say if you want to leave those things, maybe it's hopelessness about this circumstance at work or it's hopelessness about your kids or hopelessness in any situation, if you could put that hopelessness in a basket, I bet all of us would say, yeah, I'll put that in a basket. You can take that away and load up, put it in the cupboard, yeah? And these verses are saying that it is possible to see that hopelessness, that restlessness taken away. And Paul here says there's one key to seeing it taken away. As it were, the basket comes round and he's saying, yeah, you can put that despair that sense of it's impossible, that sense of it won't work, that sense of I don't expect good to happen. You can put it in the basket and it's just one condition. There is a way, there is a basket as it were. God has a basket that he can pass around this morning and we can put those things in the basket and not have them um, destroy our hope. He says, as you trust in him, as you put your confidence in him, as you trust him totally and categorically about that situation, about that person, about that issue, about that situational circumstance, it can be that that thing goes in the basket and in its place you get filled with joy, peace and hope that overflows. And the condition is when the basket, as it were, passes you by and and God says, will you put it in there? It's, will you trust me? Will you believe in me? Will you put your confidence in me on that situation, on that issue? That's the condition. In other words, my hopelessness about something is actually more of a problem than the something itself. That's the biggest hindrance to joy, peace and hope. It's actually the conclusions I come to about God or myself or my circumstances or other people. The biggest issue in my life are the conclusions I come to. That's my biggest problem. And say anybody who's suffering with hopelessness about something, the biggest issue is the conclusions that you've come to about the person, the circumstance, the situation. That's your biggest issue. In other words, all transformation begins with changing what you believe and changing the conclusions that you've come to about that something. So my hopelessness or your hopelessness or your restlessness or your joylessness is not the product of something that's happening external to you. It's the conclusions that you've come to about that something. So, these verses Paul is saying, May the God of hope fill you with all hope and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. In other words, you and I don't get to control what goes on around us. We don't get to control how people respond to us. We don't get to control many things that happen in our workplace. We don't get to control many things that happen in our families. We don't get to control many things that happen with our kids or in our marriage. We don't get to control people or circumstances. 
We don't get to control them. The only thing we can control is my response to those things. So in other words, I'm never a victim. In my inner world, I don't have to be a victim because there's the God of all hope who can fill me with all joy and peace as I trust in him. That what Paul is saying here, there's a reservoir, there's a glorious vault, as it were, full of joy and peace and hope that never runs out and never runs dry and I can access it whenever I want, all the time, regardless of what's going on. As I told you a couple of weeks ago about a book by a man who was alive during the Second World War, a Jewish man who lost absolutely everything when he remained in his country, got taken to a um, a, a, a camp, uh, uh, an extermination camp, and he said everything got taken away from him. His ability to research, his ability to travel, his ability to be dignified. He's a very scholarly man. He said all of it got stripped away. Finance, money, house, family, all of it. He said the only thing they could not strip away from me was how I choose to respond in that situation. And we find that just as a guy who is not necessarily a believer in Jesus Christ. He's just come to the conclusion, you can take everything away from me, but you can't change my inner world. You can't take my inner ability to tap into hope. And so our greatest need then as believers is to repent of the lies that we believe about God or about ourselves or about other people or about our circumstances that hinder our confidence and trust in God. That's our greatest need. You see, how many of you know that you can have great doctrine but still be a complete mess? Yeah? You can believe perfectly doctrine. You can believe perfectly that he is the son of God who came to the the earth to live the holy, perfect life. He died in my place and went to the cross for me, as me. Died to pay my debt, to take my sins. You can believe... Yeah, he so loved the world that he sent Jesus and still feel abandoned, isolated and lonely because you haven't connected to real believers. It's, yeah, we can have great doctrine. We can believe that God is sovereign, that he rules the nations. But Psalm 2 says he, he laughs at what his enemy is planning and he laughs at what his enemy is saying and we can be completely in a mess. Because there's a difference between mental assent and saying I agree with a truth and me really believing a truth and trusting a truth. How, how do I know when I'm really trusting a truth that he is good, that he is sovereign, that he's working all things together for good? It's actually when my emotions line up. When actually there's an overflow of peace and there's an overflow of joy and there's an overflow of hope. And so God wants us to get to that stage and that place on the things that we say we believe. That actually we're believing believers that really believe. That actually it's touched our hearts so much. That there's a revelation of that truth so much. That, that we're affected radically and deeply. That we've got joy and we've got peace and we've got hope. Just independent of what's going on around us. And so Paul is saying, now may the God of hope. See, the moment you trust him is the moment you get filled with biblical hope. The moment... You turn from, I'm trusting in my emotions, or I'm trusting in my experience, or I'm trusting in it's always been like this. And the moment we connect to genuinely trusting him is the moment we get filled with hope, joy, and peace. It's not the moment the circumstances change. 
Paul is saying, I'm coming to God who has all hope. I'm coming to the one who's full of hope. Paul is such a remarkable man in that his life, if you remember when he wrote the book of Ephesians from a Roman prison, with just a shaft of light that would appear once a day, maybe for half an hour. And in that 30 minutes he would scribble what has become one of the greatest pieces of work ever, the book of Ephesians. What a revelation of God. What a revelation of the gospel. What a revelation of Jesus. What a revelation of the church. What a remarkable um, picture he gives of how people should relate to one another. All written from a prison cell when half an hour of light would appear. And he would, I've written it in my own hand. He's tapped into the God of all hope. And I, I don't know about you, that fills me with a, a remarkable expectation that... Holy Spirit can do that in me. That I can be touched by this hope. That I don't have to be defined by an online uh, personality test that says you're melancholic. That I can be filled with the God of all hope. So every area where we believe truth, we become free. Jesus says, you'll know the truth. That word know is about experiential knowing. It's not just an intellectual, mental ascent. The moment you know truth, the truth will set you free. And that's what we're after, experiencing truth. That it might transform our emotions. Every area where we believe truth, we become free. Every area where we believe lies, lies about ourselves. We can be hopeless about ourselves, can't we? I'll never change. It's impossible. I've always been like this. This is my personality. It won't change. And then God speaks something glorious and prophetic about you. The moment you believe Him is the moment you enter into the freedom and the joy of that prophetic promise. Every area where we believe lies, we live with restriction and limitation. Truth will set us free. Know the truth, and the truth will set us free. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him. In the moment. In the moment. Every time you pick up the Bible, it can be the moment when the God of all hope is going to speak truth to you, and you're going to connect to that truth, and you're going to be free. See, we don't come to Him to pray, or to read the Bible, or come to church because it's uh, our duty, or the laws we keep, or the rules we keep. We come because we've got an expectation that we're going to meet the God of all hope, and he's going to say something, and I'm going to be transformed, and I'm going to be different. That there's going to come a now moment for me. Do we open the Bible like that? I'm, gonna, I'm coming to meet with you, God, because the truth is going to set me free. I'm going to have a revelation about you. I'm going to have a revelation about me. I'm going to see my circumstances different. I'm going to see the people in my life different. Now, it can happen this morning, God. I'm coming for that expectation. Amen. So I can say that to you today, that whatever you're facing and whatever's going on, it's not necessarily going to happen that the circumstances are going to change after this morning. But your inner world can be radically transformed so that your outlook on them can be joy, peace and hope. And sometimes that happens quickly and suddenly. And sometimes it happens in process with much weeping and much coming before God and much transparency and honesty. Jesus says to the woman at the well, 
the Father seeks worshippers who worship in spirit and in truth. Truth is, there's nothing hidden between me and you, Father. I'm going to be completely real and transparent and honest with you. He's coming and saying, God, this is how I feel. I feel these emotions. I feel this hurt. I feel this discouragement. I feel this rejection. I feel this disappointment. I feel this hopelessness. I feel these conclusions that it's impossible. But I'm coming for a word from you. Because you're the God of all hope. And I know that's not your conclusion on me. And on this. And on these things. And I know you've got a better word. A greater word. Will you speak to me? Will you chip away at that again today, Father? Would you come, as it were, and just clean my heart a little bit more. A little bit more. A little bit more. Would you come and transform me? Would you come and transform me by the renewing of my mind? And so we come to him. And sometimes it can be, have you had that illumination that comes in a second, in a moment? And there's sometimes revelation and illumination and hope that steadily grows. Jesus says the kingdom is like yeast that works through dough. And I wonder someone's in their own minds. That's how it happens. It's slow. It's moment by moment. I didn't have a moment really where I went to bed, as it were, and woke up. I had no issues with being melancholic. I didn't have a, as it were, for me, there was no Damascus Road experience in which I went from a little bit down and gloomy and coming to negative conclusions to becoming more positive in a moment. For me, it was... It was steady moments with him. Steady moments where he spoke. Steady moments of coming to the Bible and wow, this truth has gone deep into my heart in a deeper and deeper level. Reading Proverbs the other day. Reading some verses thinking, God, we wrestled with these verses. We, I wrestled with verses like, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. I remember wrestling with God and saying, I don't feel this God. It doesn't feel true. It feels like you have to rely on yourself and be self-supportive and you, you trust in yourself. This feels so hard, God, to trust in you in all my ways. I remember wrestling with those. And coming back and reading them again, thinking, wow, God, there's been a journey, hasn't there, on these verses. I feel like I'm, I'm tasting how sweet they are in deeper ways than I did 20 years ago. Oh, how patient you are, Father. How lovingly patient you are. That you love me as you journey with me. You love me when I was like a baby and I was sitting in the back and I couldn't, you know, you, and then there's a toddler learning how to walk. You love me for all of those things because you so love the world. Someone said I read this week, God, it doesn't say in the Bible, God so wanted to change the world that he sent Jesus. Now I'm not saying that God doesn't want to change the world. He does. He wants his kingdom to come. But his first inclination was loving the world. I want to love the world. I'm not just looking to you to be my project or you to be your own project. I want to love you. And so the moment I believe truth, the moment you believe truth, we leave restriction, we leave limitation. These verses tell us that all of our spiritual guns should be facing inwards and not outwards. 
Sometimes we can think we're binding this and we're loosing that and we're shouting at this and we're shouting at that and we're coming against the devil here and we're coming against the devil there. Maybe what I need to do is turn those guns inwards and say, what lies am I believing, God, about myself and about you and about my circumstances and about other people? Because my hopelessness is, is an issue of trust and believing. That's where my guns need to be facing. I can bind this, loose this, shout at that, scream at this, and go into like a loopy. But actually, I need to come to you, and I say, I need a better word. I need to hear truth. I need to trust. <laughs> My issue is, I'm living with restriction and limitation, and it's rooted in this. I'm believing lies, and I'm not believing truth. Amen. And truth comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. I've got to come and be exposed to your word. I've got to come and hear a better word from you. I've got to get around Christians who are mature. I've got to listen to how they live and what they think. I've got to be around the people of God. I've got to worship. I've got to be in context where I'm going to hear something from you, a truth that's going to break me out of restriction and break me out of limitation. And so I can say to you categorically, whatever you feel bound in your heart right now, you believe truth, restriction and limitation will break off. It will, and you'll find yourself living in new liberty and new freedom. Honestly, it doesn't matter what your history is, what your experience is, what your personality is. You can be someone with hope and joy and peace in believing. Absolutely, categorically, I promise you that. Regardless of your past, regardless of what people have spoken over you, regardless of whether you feel actually I'm just an Eeyore... I've got the Eeyore anointing. You know, the Winnie the Pooh story. I'm just an Eeyore to quote Steve Backlund. He does this great talk on Eeyore and the Tigger anointing. I can be a Tigger. <laughs> I can. Because there's a promise here of joy and peace. It might not be that I'm going to bound on my tail everywhere and be the life and soul of the party. That's not necessary. It's about having a joy and peace to overflow. And it's going to look like you. And it's going to feel like you. It's not going to be suddenly you, you become... This person, I'm just performing, it's not me, it's going to be authentically you, but inside there's going to be a joy and peace in believing that's going to overflow, these verses say. So hope is is living with joyful expectation of what God can do. It's knowing God. I love another speaker said, that God said to her, if you come to me with something and I say it's hopeless, then you've got permission to feel hopeless about it. And she's the God of all hope. And again, I want to say, that doesn't necessarily mean that him being the God of hope, that he's going to work it out to be exactly the way we would ask or imagine. Yeah, It's not that he's the God of all hope and we come to him and say, you're the God of all hope. He's not the God of... As it were, the vending machine of hope, in which we put our coin in, and we think, yeah, yeah, I want it to work like this, buy this, and look like that. I'm pressing the button, I'm expecting these things to drop. You're the God of all hope, you'll do what I want. You're the butler of heaven, I'm going to tell you what you want. No, we come to him as humble creatures to the Creator and say, I want a hope that comes in my heart, that I know that you can work all of this together for good. That you're going to form Christ in me through this. I'm going to look more like Jesus because of this. I'm going to enter into his joy and his peace and his life through this. I'm not telling you how you have to work it out, God. You get to choose because you are God. I want to partner with you and lean on you and trust in you to do good in this. I've got an expectation that good is coming to me in this. 
You're going to be doing something good in this. Consider it all joy when you face trials of various kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces. And it goes on that we might be complete and lacking nothing. This is going to produce something in me. I'm going to be changed. I'm going to be transformed. I'm going to be more Christ-like because of this. I'm never going to be the same again. You're forming Jesus in me. I know it's going to be beyond what I can ask or imagine. I'm not going to tell you how it has to look and what the outcome has to be. I leave that with you. And I'm going to co-labour with you. I'm going to be the little ox in the yoke with you. And you're going to be the big ox. Jesus pulling it and ploughing this field. And I'm going to be right next to you, trusting you and walking with you. I love it when it talks about Jesus feeding the 5,000. And he, and he talks to the disciples and says, Jesus had in mind what he was going to do. Amen. And then the disciple, one of the disciples says, we haven't got enough money. If we, even if we had a year's wages, we wouldn't have enough money to feed all these people. And someone else says, well, here's a little boy and he's got five barley loaves and two fish. And then Jesus says, there's some grass over there. Get them to sit down, meet, get them into groups. He has in mind what he wants to do. He has in mind. Let's conclude then. Nothing is impossible with God. There is no problem bigger than God. These bones can live. Ezekiel in the valley, faced with all of those bones and all of that death, God asks him, says, can these bones live? Actually, Ezekiel says, you know, Lord. (laughs) And then he commands Ezekiel to co-labor with him. Prophesy to the bones, speak to the bones, speak to the wind, and the bones come together and life is restored. You see, in these moments where we say, God, you have in mind what you want to do, nothing's impossible with you, he will say to us, speak to the bones, speak to the wind. When Moses is and Israel have left Egypt and the Red Sea and Egypt is really behind them and the Red Sea is in front of them Moses goes up to God and says we're in trouble and God says what are you telling me for? (laughs) and Moses has to hold his staff and the Red Sea parts there are moments where we say you know God you're the God of all hope You have a solution. You know what you're doing. Speak to me. Tell me, is there something I need to declare? Is there something I need to do? Sometimes it can be that we're facing a long-term sickness and we haven't seen a breakthrough. And I've said the story so many times, but it's just so important to say it again. Chris Gore... One of the, I guess, he, one of the people heads heading up the healing rooms in the church in Bethel. Um, this little girl, 18 years old now, I believe she suffered with cerebral palsy, extremely ill. He's seen this sickness healed in other countries, and yet is still waiting for God to heal her, and has to wrestle through hopelessness and feeling, well, is this going to be impossible? And one of the ways he does that is by saying, when he wakes up in the morning, even if it's been a sleepless night, and waking up to look after this little girl, he says, today is a good day for a miracle. Today is a good day for a miracle. Today is a good day. And we can say that with whatever we're facing. I haven't seen it yet. 
God, I'm working through with transparency and honesty any disappointment or any discouragement I'm feeling. But I'm saying to you, today is a good day. Today is a good day, God. It can happen today. Elijah, when he had done Mount Carmel and beaten all those um, priests of Baal, run scared from Jezebel, he says to God, I'm the only one who hasn't bowed the knee to Baal. I'm the only one, God. There's only me left. It's kind of a melancholic moment, a dull of heart moment, the glass is half full moment. I'm the only one who hasn't bowed the knee. And God says, no, there are 7,000 others who haven't. Just because we don't see it doesn't mean that God isn't doing something. Just because it's not visible to us doesn't mean that God isn't doing 7,000 times more than we realise in our hearts, in people's lives, of people around us, in our workplace, in our families, in our communities. It's a perspective issue. These bones can live. This sea can part. You're doing 7,000 times more than I realise. And it says, overflow with hope. That the one who has the most hope in any environment will have the most influence. If you want to be influential in your family, if you want to be influential in your workplace, if we want to be influential in our community, we have to be the people with the most hope. Hope overflows, it says, by the power of the Holy Spirit. So as we get full of hope, people will ask us, where do you get that hope? Where do you get that outlook? Where did you get that peace, that wholeness? Where did you get that joy from? Where did it come from? Our communities will be asking us, where do you get it? You're in the same world as us. You're doing the same work as us. You're doing more than one job like we do. You haven't, you've left your career from your country and come here and had to start at the bottom like we did. And yet you have a hope and you have a joy and you have a peace. Where do you get that from? Where did it come from? I want to know. He's the God of all hope. And finally, it says, he is the God of all hope. We don't just come to him, pressing into him, just so our situation changes. We don't come to him just so that he might do something on our behalf. We come to him because we love him. We press into him because he's good. We come to him because we've got to have more of him. I want to be around you, Father. I want your perspective to rub off on me. I want to be around you because you're so good to be with. You're so wonderful. You're so beautiful. I love to worship you. I'm not worshipping you so that you do X, Y and Z. I'm not reading my Bible just so I have a breakthrough. I'm coming because I want to know you more. Because you're the God of all hope. And I want to press into you. Amen. Can I invite us to stand and we'll...